Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of What's Up with Power. My name is Justin Wagner with Team ODZ, and uh, we're here to teach you the basics of power-based training so that you can take your training to the next level. Today we're going to be joined by Taylor Thomas from Thomas Endurance Coaching. We're going to be talking about uh, using power for optimal workouts, and uh, got a great presentation on there. And one of the good takeaways from this is always a discussion around uh, when to call it quits on a workout. A lot of times, you uh, maybe not feeling it in a workout, you're not quite sure when you should call it. We'll have while well, I'm down on my phone, getting a little feedback. Okay, I think I'm done juggling stuff. I'm gonna bring. Now we can finally see Taylor. Hey, Taylor, how's it going? You're on hey, the Justin, screen now. Hi. I'm doing great. Good to have you on board for another episode. I've got the slides ready. Uh, why don't you go ahead and, and take it away? I'll slide off the screen and let you go to town. Sounds good. Well, yeah, thanks, everybody, for, uh, for joining us this, uh, this, this morning, uh, my time, or a good day to you if you're, uh, if you're elsewhere. Um, so we're going to talk about, uh, like Justin said, using power for optimal workouts. And so um, this is really kind of the, the next step or the evolution in training with power. You, uh, you, you no doubt got your power meter, you, you uh, hopefully established an FTP, you did an FTP test, then you use that FTP to, to set uh, and calculate your training-based power zones. And then now you wanna do, uh, we wanna do workouts with, uh, with your power meter and with those, those zones. So. Uh, there's there's a bunch to talk about. Um, Justin, you can go to the first slide if you're not already there. So uh, a couple of things to consider when we're when we're training with power. Uh, one of the things is when and where to train. So the first thing and kind of the most important uh, thing to remember is that we can we can ride with our, our power meter or should ride with our power meter uh, and use that for for every ride. So whether that's an indoor session, an outdoor ride. Uh, a race, a group ride, whatever that is, <clears throat> the more uh, the more that we can ride with power, the more that we can have access to that data, the better uh, the better it's going to be. The the more uh, consistent uh, the information that we get is going to be, and, and the more we're going to be able to learn uh, about uh, about ourselves as as athletes. So, um, thinking about when and where to train. And, uh, and, and how that's going to, uh, to impact the insights that we get from power-based training. Next is the variability of the ride. Um, Hunter Allen and, and Dr. Andy Coggin, uh, in Training and Racing with a Power Meter, refer to it as the stochastic nature uh, of, of cycling or, or training with power. And so we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, and then just that, uh, that the idea of, of power and riding is inherently variable. Um, we're going to look at how to approach power-based intervals. Uh, like Justin said, most importantly, uh, when do we need to do more? And then when do we need to call it quits? Uh, we'll dive into that. And then we'll look at some workouts uh, based on power zones. So how to use uh, our power meter to, to construct specific 
power-based uh, uh, workouts and, and more specifically individualized power-based workouts. Uh, next slide. So first, uh, training opportunities. All right, when, uh, when, and where can we can we ride? And there's really, uh, like I said, there's there's really no bad time to use uh, to ride with your power meter. However, there are some standout kind of locations and some standout uh, opportunities that that training with power is going to be is going to be most impactful as it relates to to our training. So indoor training, uh, all of us are, are no doubt, uh, if you've tuned into this show, set up with, uh, with indoor training, um, that's going to be the most consistent or one of the most consistent places to, to execute a workout or a ride, uh, specifically with platforms like, like Training Peaks and the ability to, to sync your workouts and Training Peaks with, with other platforms like Zwift or Trainer Road. Um, with a technology like uh, like the ERG function on smart trainers, um, it, it allows or enables an athlete to to produce a really really consistent and a really really focused effort. And so, uh, if uh, if you're okay with indoor training and you have access to the tools um, for indoor training, then that's going to be one of the best places to do an interval style style workout. So again, most of uh, most folks uh, surely tuning into this show are, are familiar with that at this point. Um, next in line is going to be flat roads. Um, so more specifically flat roads that, that don't have uh, any wind or, or very little wind are going to be a great place to, to use your power meter. Uh, it's going to be a great place for, for kind of steady state or tempo style workouts. So any long sustained intervals, um, below threshold, a flat road is going to be great for that. Um, and it could also be good for, for interval style training, depending on, uh, depending on the interval and the and the length of the interval, a, fl a flat road can be great for that. Time trials. Um, so obviously, a time trial being specific to to a race discipline, um, but power is going to really help us um, pinpoint uh, a power based uh, pacing strategy for for a time trial. So we can look at uh, historical information. Uh, we can look at what percentage of FTP that an athlete is able to hold for a specific period of time. And then we can apply that information to, to a power-based pacing strategy for, for a time trial. And we can really pinpoint um, how, how intense an effort should be for a given, um, a given length of a time trial. Next is going to be hill climbs, very similar to time trial. Um, we, can, we can look at, again, what percentage of FTP based on the length of the climb an athlete can hold. And we can understand uh, how much effort an athlete should be able to uh, should be able to kind of dole out over the length of a climb. Um, and then uh, certainly if there's multiple climbs in a given route uh, or, or race, then we can look at, um, we can look at uh, how much effort should be, should be given to, to each of those climbs you know, successively during the route. Specific intervals. So again, um, uh, one of the best and most effective ways to, to kind of utilize your power meter doing specific intervals, and we'll get into to this uh, in, in greater detail further in the presentation, but just specific intervals are going to be a great place to make sure that we're pinpointing specific systems in the body or, or kind of critical systems in the body and ultimately uh, uh, providing the opportunity for, for adaptation to prepare an athlete for the goals that they have, whether that's a race or a ride uh, or even uh, you know, things like uh, you know, building FTP or VO2 max or what have you. And then doing race-based intervals, so intervals that match and mimic the intensity of the race 
uh, or the goal event that, uh, that an athlete is, is doing. All right, so next slide. I mentioned the stochastic nature of cycling. Uh, so that's that kind of inherent uh, variability when we look at, uh, when we look at power data. Um, you can see from the, um, the, uh, the graphic on the screen here, this is just a, a screen capture from kind of a, 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 normal, uh, a normal ride for an athlete, right? So we see lots of highs, lows. We see a break in the middle. Um, it's all over the place, right? It's not a straight line. Um, and, and so understanding that, um, that it's going to be kind of bouncing all around and that it's not going to be uh, a straight line is going to help us kind of, uh, kind of approach how we ride with power in a little bit more realistic way. And so one of the first things to, to remember is to not focus too much or worry about holding an exact average power, right? So the goal shouldn't be to go out and ride for 200 Watts for two hours, um, that's just going to end up being frustrating. Uh, it's, it's going to be relatively impossible, uh, unless it's a completely flat course with no interruptions, uh, and, and no wind and, and you're riding solo. So the better way to, uh, to approach it, uh, is to provide a range for yourself and to ensure that you stay within the range for, for a given ride. And so the range should correspond or correlate with, uh, with the power zone that you want to stay in. So uh, again, if it's a tempo ride, if it's a zone two ride, uh, whatever the goal for that ride is, providing a range uh, for average power that allows you to stay within that training zone is going to be the most uh, uh, effective and realistic way to, to tackle that ride. Um, and I like to provide uh, usually a 20 watt range uh, is a pretty good place to start. So versus staying, uh, staying at 200 watts, uh, you can you can go 200 to 220 watts, for instance, and that's gonna that's gonna ensure that you're still targeting those those uh, those desired systems in the body, but you're providing yourself a little cushion, a little leeway for changes in terrain um, for other uh, other riders in a group, uh, for instance, or uh, um, wind or, or what have you. So uh, so stick within a range, and that'll be uh, that'll be a much more successful way to ride. Focusing on pacing, so when we shift from uh, uh, shift to power-based training, one of the things that typically uh, happens is we begin begin to shift our focus or the way that we think about pacing. Uh, we shift from from a speed-based uh, point of view to to a power-based point of view. So so no longer do we think about pacing in terms of of miles per hour or kilometers per hour, but we think about it in terms of uh, of watts, right? And 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 how long can we hold? Uh, specific power range, uh, and then and then ultimately that equates to to speed. Um, but again, tying into what I what I talked about or the point above in uh, in providing a, a, a specific range for power versus uh, versus a finite number, that's going to help with with pacing, right? So as we shift from uh, from speed based pacing to to power based pacing, um, we just want to to make sure that. We're uh, we're holding a relatively consistent power um, for for a given ride. Um, so big spikes and huge swings in power can quickly turn uh, a ride into a much different uh, type of workout altogether. So consistent power and, and proper pacing become important. Um, matching the effort to the terrain. So uh, just making sure that you know we're not uh, trying to do a tempo workout. Um, and we go out on rolling terrain that, uh, that makes that tempo workout 
uh, into to something uh, completely different. Um, and so, uh, uh, again, making sure that we just think critically about uh, matching the terrain to the types of effort and the systems in the body that we want to pinpoint. And then to further that, just understanding how terrain impacts the workout. And a good example of that is um, is the is the tempo ride that I just mentioned. So if we wanted to do say 45 minutes in zone three, and the course that we chose was uh, was was uh, rolling hills, what would end up happening is that we would be able to maintain that zone three uh, power range up the hills, and then as we went down the hills, um, we would we would either stop pedaling or it would be very very hard. To, to hold a high enough power um, to, to maintain the power range that we'd provided for ourselves. So really what's happened is that we've shifted from what was supposed to be a sustained zone three effort to a series of, of hill repeats. Um, and so again, just, just understanding um, how that terrain impacts the workouts and how it really at the end of the day can, can end up being a much different workout and it can target very, um, very different systems in the body um, if we don't match uh, the terrain with the with the type of effort uh, that we're looking to to produce. Uh, next slide. All right, so um, guidelines for intervals, um, like we talked about earlier on. Um, one of the things that we want to do is to be able to to use our power meter to to create kind of highly individualized training um, that that pinpoints key areas and key systems in the body that ultimately prepares us. To, to reach our goals. And that goal could be a race, um, it could be increased FTP, it could be increased VO2 max, whatever it is, uh, intervals are typically the way that most athletes get there and power is the best way to go about executing an interval-based workout. So there's a few things to, to know or to, to, to understand when we, uh, when we kind of uh, embark on, on intervals uh, with power. The first and kind of the, the cornerstone um, for, uh, for interval-based workouts is this going to be this idea of, of a repeatable interval, right? And what a repeatable interval is, is, is basically just the third interval in a set, right? Uh, we're going to assume that the first and the second interval in a set is, is going to be, uh, the athlete's going to be fairly fresh for those intervals, right? They've come out of a nice warm-up, they do the first interval, they do the second interval, with the recovery period in between, and that those intervals are gonna be fairly easy for that athlete. They're gonna feel fresh, and, and to that end, it, they may not be indicative of the, the actual power that, uh, that is you know, repeatable um, interval after interval. So we're gonna use the third interval to kind of, uh, again, as our cornerstone, to kind of judge the effort. Um, and what that really allows us to do is to understand what an athlete is actually capable of. And so we're going to go back to this idea of a repeatable interval to decide if more or less intervals are needed. All right, so when to do more. Um, the, the goal is to maximize our time on the bike, right? Everybody has, uh, has some amount of limited time. When we go out for a workout, we want to make sure that we're, we're, uh, we're getting the most out of that effort um, and that we're doing just enough but we're not doing too much. Um, so, so when do we need to do more intervals uh, so that we can maximize uh, the, the adaptation and the gains that we're seeing for a given workout? So we can, uh, we can consult the, the chart here on the screen. And what this does is that this chart kind of gives us a rundown of, of different duration uh, intervals and then what the average drop in power 
is or should be from that repeatable interval from the third one uh, and, and into the, uh, the intervals that follow. So we can use the 20-minute interval at the top there as an example. If, if any, any interval past the repeatable interval or the third one um, is, uh, is no less than a 5% decrease in average power, then you can continue to do more intervals. So if, you, uh, if you've seen uh, no more than a 95% decrease in power, then, then add another interval. Right, it's as simple as that. You can go down the list. If it's 10 minutes, five minutes, three minutes, whatever it is, you can use that average drop in power, that percentage decrease range to know if, uh, if, if you should do more intervals. And again, that's based on the third interval uh, and the average power from that, that third interval. So uh, FTP accuracy, I think it's worth mentioning and we've talked about it a lot. I know I've certainly talked about it a lot uh, on this show that uh, it, is, it is critical that FTP be, be current um, and be accurate. Um, and the reason it's, it's, uh, it's even uh, almost more important with, uh, with this particular concept is that everything is going to be based uh, on FTP. So we're going to establish an FTP. From that FTP, we're going to establish individualized training zones. Um, and then from that, we're going to... Um, we're going to write interval workouts, right? So uh, if you're doing uh, five-minute intervals um, at you know 105% of your FTP, and then we're looking for a percent decline from that third interval, then it really is all hinged on how accurate is your FTP. So I just wanted to reiterate how important that is to make sure that it's current, that it's accurate, that you're comfortable at that FTP, um, because that's really going to be the piece that ensures that that all of these uh, these numbers that follow and th this approach or these approaches that follow uh, are are doing their job. All right. So then, uh, if we know when to do more, uh, when do we need to stop? Right. And it's as simple as, and you you probably saw this coming. If you if you're on the other side of this power range, um, then it's time then it's time to stop. So if we look at the average power for the third interval, um, again we can use the 20 minute interval. At the top of the chart, there is an example. If you begin to see more than a 5% uh, decrease in power uh, after the third interval, then you're too fatigued and you should stop. And what that really means or what that's really telling us is that we're no longer targeting uh, the systems in the body that we designed the workout to target, right? So if we, if we see a decrease greater than the power range uh, on the chart here, we can, uh, we can know for certain that, uh, that the workout no longer is having the effect uh, or producing um, the, the gains or the adaptations that we, we wanted it to have. So you can, you can shut it down and you can go into a cool down and, and wrap up the workout. Um, all right, next uh, slide. And then lastly, uh, looking at workouts for power-based training. So, um, so, so, you know, again, we know our zones. We have a, uh, a properly set FTP. We know when to stop our intervals. Uh, based on uh, based on that repeatable interval that we talked about in the last slide. Um, so then, what are some of the things we need to look at in terms of places to target or ways to use power for for workouts? Uh, first and foremost is going to be recovery. Um, this is often kind of the the forgotten component for most athletes, right? We always want to to do intervals, and we always want to to think that every workout is is making us uh, you know that much stronger. And if we do more intervals, that's going to produce more strength. But at the end of the day, recovery is, is critical. Um, it should really be a constant 
component in your training. Um, and, and really, this is that, uh, that 55% or below of FTP. So this is that zone one tr- training that we're talking about. Um, and, uh, and, and it's described as embarrassingly slow, right? So that's the reason that a lot of athletes don't do it is it, it just, you know, honestly, it can just kind of be boring. Um, but, but coming back to this as a home base, doing these active recovery rides helps to kind of clear the junk out of your legs, um, from your, uh, from your interval workouts that you've no doubt done, uh, earlier in the week. And then you can even use this as uh, you know, kind of a home base for some, uh, some cool down efforts as well. So just being sure to, to use that, the lower ranges of, uh, of those individualized training zones to, uh, to come back to and, and make sure to allow time for proper recovery. Um, building muscular endurance, this gets us into the, the zone two range. And this is really the foundation for all other efforts, right? If the foundation is strong, if the base is strong, then everything above it is going to be that much stronger. Um, and so, again, this is an area that, that, that's often forgotten. Um, but this is really one of those places that, you know, we should ride in these zones uh, or, or this zone. And, and zone two is 69 to 75% of FTP. Um, we should ride in this zone early and often. So that's going to be your, your early base periods. Uh, your, your, you know, coming into the early part of build period. And then, and then I like to include it as a, you know, uh, extended uh, warm up and cool down. So that we're always kind of coming back to to this as our home base, um, and and that's going to really build your stamina. It increases heart strength, uh, it increases muscular endurance, aerobic endurance. Um, zone two is is a is a fantastic place to to spend you know a fair amount of your time. And again, you can bookend workouts. Um, in this zone, uh, you can certainly do it at the appropriate time of year. Um, you can do long rides in this zone, but you can think about this as your, as your foundation. Um, and everything really is built on this zone two training. Um, so, so, uh, so, so definitely an important uh, place to, to, to come back to sweet spot training. Most of us are familiar with, uh, with sweet spot training. Um, and, and really that's, that's because it's a really, effective place to spend a lot of your time, right? It's an important uh, or an effective place to spend time early in the season if you're trying to, to build FTP or aerobic endurance. Um, really, really beneficial place to train. Sweet spot specifically is 89 to 94% of, of FTP. Um, and that's just going to be, uh, if you can extend the duration and the time at which you're comfortable at sweet spot, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to really bolster uh, your strength and your endurance. Uh, it is worth mentioning that uh, that it's it's you don't want to spend all of your time here because it really doesn't prepare you uh, for for the rigors of racing, right? Uh, if you spend kind of the the adage is if you spend all your time in sweet spot training, you probably won't get dropped, but you're not going to win either. So it's a it's a it's a it's a good place to spend some time again at the appropriate time of year. Uh, specifically early season as you're, as you're trying to build uh, muscular and aerobic endurance, as you're trying to increase FTP. Um, but be sure to transition away from sweet spot training um, or at least some of the bulk of the time that you spent at sweet spot, transition that to, to more race-based intervals. Um, and then you can always come back to sweet spot training um, mid-season if you're looking for, a, you know, to peak again for a fall race or something like that. Um, all right, and then what are your goals? Um, I mentioned this or I bring this up because, you know, at the end of the day, power-based workouts 
are, are there to help us single out uh, where it is we're strongest and we're weakest, um, and it helps us prepare to reach our goals, right? We're using power-based metrics, and we're training with power so that we can more accurately uh, and more uh, efficiently and effectively uh, train to reach the goals that we have on the bike. So um, so what what are they, right? We want to make sure to, to, to identify those early on. Um, are they, uh, do you want to be a sprinter? Do you want to be a hill climber? Do you want to be a time trialist? Are you a lead out person? Whatever it is, identify those goals and then use that goal or those, those, uh, uh, the group of goals to, uh, to, to write your workouts, right? To make sure that the training that you're doing is aligning with the goals that you have on the bike. And then lastly, mimicking race efforts. So, I mentioned it a little bit with, with sweet spot training, but you, you, you don't want to spend all your time uh, in an effort that doesn't align with, the, with what you can expect on race day. Um, so if you uh, expect there to be uh, you know, big efforts on a, on a particular climb during a race, if you expect there to be sprints, um, whatever it is, make sure that the efforts uh, and the intervals uh, and what you're doing in training um, it is aligning with, uh, with, with the types of efforts that you can expect, uh, and the types of intensities that you can expect on race day. And again, all this, uh, the, the caveat is, uh, or it should be mentioned that all this has to happen or, or should happen at the right time of the season, right? So mimicking race efforts, uh, sweet spot training, building muscular endurance, um, all of these things, um, should be occurring at the appropriate time of year so that you're, you're properly building the systems in the body. You're building them in succession so that, uh, so that you know, uh, the foundation is prepared before you begin to add in race specificity. Um, but making sure that, that you're matching your, uh, your training with your goals and that you're, you're matching it with the intensity that you can expect in racing is going to be kind of the last piece of the puzzle as you build uh, your training based on individualized uh, you know, power, uh, power-based metrics and, and training zones. Um, so that's, uh, that's all I have. I'll, I'll kick it back over to Justin. We'll go to questions and answers and, uh, and, uh, yeah, let, uh, let them, let them fly and, uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Awesome. Thanks, uh, Thomas. Great, great conversation or great teaching today. Uh, lots of interesting things. So like you said, if you have questions, uh, we are listening in Discord. We've got Discord chat open. We've got Facebook chat open. If you want to drop a chat question in any of those, we'd be happy to address them. Um, you know, maybe uh, have you ever been in a, a workout and felt like you should call it quits? Uh, curious if you've ever seen that uh, table that talks about when you should be cutting it off and have any real experience using that table we'd love to love to hear it or or anything you know it doesn't have to be related to what we talked about today if you've got some other burning question that you just want to know think we might have the an answer for let it fly we're happy to uh address that uh one thing i want to say i've noticed uh with that table of when to stop repeating intervals is it's i think it's pretty difficult to get to that level uh, of of stopping those intervals, uh, have you? What would you say, Taylor? Like, uh, seems like you really got to go deep before. At least me personally, I don't know that I've actually ever gotten to the point those thresholds where I would call it quits on a workout. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, that, those ranges um, are, that's basically to exhaustion, right? I mean, so that would be, uh, to your point, I mean, that's a that's a that's kind of a deep and dark uh, place to, to go to. It's it's going to be hard. Um, it's going to be hard to get there. Um, yeah, a lot of people, um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think there's you know a, a lot of people don't ever find themselves you know in a position where they need to calculate that percent decline. Right, their their goal is to to kind of execute perfectly the uh, the workout, and they set themselves up for success, and um, which is fine. Um, you know, I, I think what I do with the athletes that I work with is, you know, I think at certain points in the season or certain points in a, in a particular training block, we actually set up workouts to, to go to exhaustion, right? So, so I'll, I'll calculate that number, uh, or that percent decline. Um, I'll make sure to, you know, so we'll say, okay, at three, if, if, if power goes below 320 Watts, um, for, you know, a 20 minute interval, then shut it down and they'll, they'll produce those, um, produce those, those efforts or those intervals until they see that number. Um, and, and I, and I do that because, you know, you don't want to do it for every workout because it's hard. Um, but I think there's value in, in knowing where that limit is. And, you know, that really translates to race day performance. Um, when you, when you've pushed your body enough and you can understand what that, what that threshold and that tipping point is, um, so yeah, like you said, it's, it's not somewhere you want to go all the time. It's probably not going to be, uh, a place you want to, uh, you, you want to spend, you know, every interval workout. Uh, sometimes you just want to, you know, do the intervals and, and finish strong and go home. But, um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, as, as kind of breakthrough or benchmark workouts, I think it can be, uh, there's a lot of value in, in knowing what that number is. Um, and then, you know, not, not pre-prescribing intervals, intervals, but going, going in, and say, okay, I'm going to do the intervals. Um, I'm going to go full gas until I, you know, until I fall away, until I can't produce that um, that number anymore. So, you know, good, good, uh, good approach on both sides. You know, set yourself up for success, and then maybe sometimes set yourself up for failure, um, and uh, and see what that feels like as well. Sure, it can be a good point of comparison over time. Like you said, it's not something you want to do all the time, but let's say, let's say, different points in the year, you've done the same. Uh, to exhaustion workout, and you may say, "Hey, you know, either maybe I've got a new FTP this time around, or maybe I'm at the same FTP, but I've got a way higher fitness, and now I can nail like three or four more workouts." So that's a good solid three or four more intervals. So that's a good feedback to yourself that look, you know, the other time you absolutely left everything on the table, and if you can then come around again the next time you do it and leave even just a little bit more on the table, then you know your workout's helping. Okay, we've got a question here from Ron. Uh, I'm going to probably mispronounce your name, Ron, so I'm just going to say Ron. Uh, Is it effective to use a crit as an FTP test, or should I wait for a time trial or do a dedicated FTP test? I'm asking because I feel I'm due uh, because workouts are getting easier and it's beginning of race season, even though races are getting canceled due to storms, what would you say? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, that, you know, so obviously that ties into the point, uh, point that we made about a, an accurate FTP. If, if workouts seem too easy, it's probably because they are. Um, so it probably means there's, you know, there's, there's an increase in FTP on the table there. Um, to, to Ron's question, I, I wouldn't use a crit. Um, that goes back to this kind of stochastic 
nature of cycling, the nature of a crit um, is 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 usually hyper variable. Um, and and you know, not to say that you can't set an FTP uh, in theory on a crit, but but the variability of that ride is probably going to lend itself to an inaccurate FTP. Uh, if you want to do it in a race, a time trial is is pretty much just a you know a, a, a rate uh, a, the race version of an FTP test. Uh, obviously, the um, the time trial has to be long enough. Um, so you know if it's a, a thirty or forty KTT, um, that would be a, a good place to do it. Uh, I think the the thing it's worth mentioning that you know if any of those things are are more than you know ten days away. Um, I would do a dedicated FTP test because what's happening is all of the workouts that you're doing up until that race uh, are, are not eliciting uh, the correct response, right? You're not targeting the key areas. Um, and so uh, I wouldn't wait around for, for a race um, if, it's, if it's far away. If there's, a, you know, if there's a time trial this weekend, then you know, hold off and maybe do the, the TT um, and just go out and give it, give it full gas. Um, but yeah, if it's, if it's more than, you know, more than a week or so away, um, I would, I would get to the business of, of doing an FTP test. And I, and then again, I, I wouldn't use the crit, uh, as a, as a test. So, um, that's, that's how I'd approach it. Yeah. And, uh, we had a pretty good discussion. I think it was last week around, uh, different FTP tests and, and the, really the gist we came out of that was consistency. So Whatever testing protocol you think is uh, the one that fits you best, just use that over and over because ultimately consistency and uh, you know, measuring yourself against the same standard is more important than maybe say the most globally accurate FTP test. I don't know that there is really such a thing. Is I mean, kind of goes back to what Taylor was saying is you know FTP is only one metric in your whole tool bag, right? We, we know it affects a lot of the other tools, but uh, certainly there's a lot more in the tool bag. So some tests apply differently to different people based on their strengths and weaknesses. And, and that just kind of goes back to the fact that really there, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's one absolute golden best FTP protocol. So yeah. uh, hopefully yeah, the most important thing is most important thing is just to, is just to have it. Right. Yes. Um, so, you know, do it. Do it consistently. And to your point, you know, use the same protocol, um, and then and then kind of move on. You know, it's not it's not the be all end all. Uh, there's a there's a tremendous amount that we can analyze. You know, with power, and there's a lot of other metrics that are kind of driving uh, driving things these days. Our understanding of, of FTP has changed really dramatically in the past you know handful of years about you know how we really understand what threshold is. So. Um, yeah, have it, use it to write your trading zones and then, you know, make sure it's accurate and then, and then move on and, and get to the work of, you know, of, of, of doing the workouts. <laughs> yep. Cool. Well, with that, we're going to call it a day. I want to thank you again, Taylor, for your time. If you guys have questions for him, contact him at Taylor at thomasendurancecoaching.com. Check out his website, www.thomasendurancecoaching.com. He's also on Twitter, at sign endurance underscore coach is handle so thank you so much for your time taylor and uh with that say thank you to all of our watchers we will see you next week same time same place and if you like the content on the channel 
hit like. We've got great content on here daily. All right. Thanks, guys. Oh, 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 oh,